focused on God's greatness and his ability to do whatever, anything, literally anything, lame people walking, deaf people speaking, dumb, e- dumb mouth speaking, deaf ears hearing. Like he does that. He does that. He did that when he walked the earth. He's still doing it in the earth. And he's, he's wanting to prepare a people to walk in that level of faith and sensitivity to the spiritual, to the supernatural realm, that we would be tapped in. And, of course, we're living in a natural world, so it's not like we're just going around like <laughs> just weird people all the time. But we're tapped into the supernatural realm, and we're able to address the world's problems with God's mind, with his thoughts, right, to, to address what's going on in the world when people come to us for counsel, right, we get to tap into the counsel of the Lord, the wisdom of God that supersedes and is above any wisdom in the earth. Like we said in the first time we talked about this, the wisdom of God even seems foolish. It seems foolish to those that are perishing. But even the, the foolishness even uh, I and uh, wait, I'm I'm mixing up that verse, but you know what I'm saying. From First Corinthians, that that his wisdom seems foolish to the world. So you might look foolish. Sometimes you'll look wise. Other times you might look foolish, right? Daniel looked wise in the wisdom of God, right? He was actually exalted in positions of authority and leadership because of the wisdom and counsel of God. So it doesn't always just say like, oh, wow, that's a weirdo, right? He was actually acknowledged as someone with wisdom and understanding and was constantly being moved up in these places of leadership and government and authority because of the wisdom of God. But then other times the wisdom of God will cause you to look foolish to the world, And we have to be ready for both. We have to be acknowledging that either or can happen, right? So in John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and those following him. He's he's talking about a lot of things. But in John 15, this is a very, I think many of us know this passage of scripture where Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. So right, so uh, 15, one through five, he says, I am the true vine, My father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit or that stops bearing, he cuts away and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I've discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I'll live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit, of itself without abiding in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me or cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So in me, everything's possible. Apart from me, nothing is possible. Again, this is the stark difference between humanism and Christianity. And the reason why I'm addressing humanism is because it has crept into the church in so many ways, sneakily, 
unnoticed, <laughs> where we think, oh, well, me being intellectual makes me a better Christian or whatever, and Paul destroyed that argument. So that's why I'm comparing the two. Humanism says my source is within myself, who I am, all my faculties. Christianity says Jesus is the source. I can literally do nothing apart from him. I look at the world and I say, I have nothing to offer. <laughs> I have nothing to offer this world. I have nothing to give apart from him. But in him, connected in him, I have everything to give. I have all that I need and all the world needs by his spirit living in me, being vitally connected to the vine as my source. Now, an interesting thing about this is that in natural vines, right, there are branches that come off of vines, and but there are things called suckers. That's what they're called in gardening, right, which is a very interesting term. A sucker is a branch on a vine that has died but continues to suck, not from the vine, but from other branches. And it sucks the life out of all the other branches and causes them to die as well. Because the other branches don't have what's sufficient for that branch to, to survive. That's why it's important in gardening to cut off the suckers on any vine. To, to see where the dead things are and break them off. Otherwise, they will suck the life out of every other thing that's bearing fruit. Is that interesting? Right? So in context of this, Jesus is the source. I can't get what I need from Tommy. If I start sucking from him, I'll drain him out. He doesn't have what I need. You don't have what I need. I don't have what you need. What we all need is found in one source, Jesus. And as we all receive from him, we begin to produce fruit together. And we're not codependent in any way. We are all receiving from the vine and living vitally connected to him, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. And when we see something in ourselves, either ourselves feeling like we're withering up and dying or someone else, we can know what's happening. Point them to the source. He is more than enough. Right? We cannot receive from each other. That's not how it was meant to be. And that's why it has to be cut off, too, at times pruned because he alone can sustain us he alone can satisfy those places in us he alone can provide what we need and that's also when we approach the world right we need to be vitally connected to him so we have all that we need all the strength all the wisdom all the insight i need to be vitally connected to him if i'm in the world and exhausted and worn out and can't approach the world with the fruit being born because I'm just dead, it might have something to do with my connection here. Am I receiving from the source? Because he is all that we need. All we have to do is receive, be connected to him. That's just how it works. So the vine and branches, they don't do anything. They're just there <laughs> sucking from the source. And because they suck from the source, it automatically causes them to bear fruit because of the life coming from that source, providing every branch that it bears fruit. Hey, he's given us an easy job, guys. <laughs> Stay connected. 
and bear fruit by being connected to the source, that he would provide all that you need and that we wouldn't be worn out just dragging in the world like I have nothing to give to anybody. No, we live vitally connected. No matter what's going on, we're overflowing. We're abundant because we have a source that's never-ending. It never runs dry, never runs dry, and we have access 100% of the time. It's never cut off. We have access to a never-ending source at all times, right? So you feel dry, you have access. You feel like you're in the desert, you have access to a living water, right? I, in my Christian walk, there was a long period of time that I lived in perpetual desert because I thought that was actually more Christian-like. I thought I looked more holy, <laughs> right? It was, it's kind of like a legalist, like, weird pharisaical thing like if i just beat my body more maybe i'll look more holy or more christian more dedicated and for me it was i lived in this perpetual spiritual desert where i was like oh it feels like a desert like i'm such i'm just in a desert like i remember saying that my journal for 10 years was all about the desert i was in <laughs> oh what a sad existence right and i was hearing god in that time and there were cool things happening but my personal inward thing was like, oh, I'm in the desert. Like, I need to display that to the world, which then all of a sudden it clicked in a moment. I, I saw this vision during a church service where all of a sudden everybody changed and we were all dry and like shriveled up. This was like several years ago. And we were all like could barely lift our arms because we were so parched. And there was this massive pool of water right in the center. And none of us were going to drink. And we were just like shriveled up, ready to die. A and the Lord spoke to me, I am a source at all times. You have access at all times. Yeah, we go through deserts. Yeah, we go through hard times. But even in the desert, even in the hard time, we have access. It's never cut off. The door is never shut to access to the vine. He tells us, abide in me. Receive everything you need from me at all times, at any time, whenever you need it, because you need me. You can't do it apart from me. Don't try to do it apart from me. You must be connected. So he would never cut us off from that. He's made a way for us to be connected to it, to have that access at all times. In verse 7 and, it seven and 8, it says, If you live in me and my words remain in you, and continue to live in your hearts, whatever you ask, whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. When you bear much fruit, my father is honored and glorified, and you show and you prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. Now, this is a supernatural reality, right? He's saying, if my words remain in you, eating his word, that we can ask him whatever. Whatever we will, and it will be done. That's amazing, guys. When we tap into that, think uh, when I when I think about that, I think first of all, family members that are not saved. <laughs> His words remain in me. I'm commanding the truth of Scripture over my family members that are trapped in sin and held captive. And it says here, whatever I ask will be done according to his word, right? Then I think about for this church family. Then I think about for this town. Then I think about for the region. And then I think about for the nation. 
because all I have to be is connected to the vine, receiving from him, eating his word, and making declaration in accordance, and it will be done. And it's a sup- we're shifting supernatural realms above us, over our families, over individuals, over towns, over regions. That is the call for the church. That is a purpose that we are meant to walk in. We're connected to the vine. We rise up and we declare. And that makes intercession the most exciting, exhilarating thing on the earth. Because you know, convinced, or steady in the fact that what you're declaring is doing something. Supernaturally, in the spiritual realm. Something you could not do on your own, but only by the source that you're connected to, only because of who God is and the access that he's given to us, we begin to step out into the supernatural realm and prayer is supernatural. Worship is supernatural. We declare with our words, with our songs, and we realize as we worship, things are being shifted in ourselves, in this church, in this town, in this region, in this state. It's not just about singing songs. Guys, we're connected to the vine, the source of, of, of unlimited strength, <laughs> unlimited power, unlimited authority that I'm receiving. So then every spiritual act that I do, I know and am convinced that it's shifting atmospheres and God is moving. So then my worship becomes this weapon in the spiritual realm. My prayers become a weapon. My declarations become a weapon because we're tapped into something supernatural, right? And that's what we're created for. That's what he's invited us into. The ecclesia of God, the ruling body of believers. What do you think ruling means? Is it in the natural? No. Supernatural. We're ruling in the supernatural realms. We're ruling in the spiritual places where we recognize our authority, what he's invited us into, and we partner with him to shift supernatural realities. Guys, this you, it cannot be comprehended with our natural mind. It's an unseen world that we step into by the spirit of God, which is inside of us. And he's given us his spirit so that we can access it, so that we can understand it, so that we can step by faith into it. Verses 9 and 11, 9 through 11. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. Guys, he gives us such simple instruction. It's so simple. He says, abide in my love, and then he tells you how. Well, what does that mean? Soaking in my room with worship music on, letting him love me. That might be a piece of it, but he says, To abide in my love is to what? Obey my commandments. Keep my commandments. Obey my teachings. That's what we're learning on first principles. See, I'm tying the two together every week. We're tapping into a supernatural realm. We must know his commandments. 
We must know the first principles of our faith. What has he taught? So that we can abide, that is abiding in his love. To know him is to know his love and to remain in him. And then that also is affects our declaration, right? That whatever we ask, it will be done. Extremely important, these two things together. You cannot separate sound doctrine, sound teaching from this supernatural reality that we're tapping into. He said, if my words abide in you, then whatever you ask, it will be done. He didn't say just whatever you ask, it will be done. If my words abide in you, if my teaching abides in you, whatever you ask will be done. If my teaching, if you obey my commandments, if you remain in my teaching, you will be abiding in my love. They are 100% connected. And that teaching thrusts us into this place of understanding who we are, what authority we've been given, and then we can actually shift a supernatural reality over a town, over a region, over a state, over a nation. That's what he's preparing us for. He truly is. He's getting his word ingrained in us, planted in us, so that we stand in the supernatural power of those teachings that are supernatural, and we bear fruit and shift atmospheres. That's how revival's coming into the earth. He has people partnering with his will, with his heart, to command the heavens to be opened. I mean, look at revival history. Every, if you, uh, it's the unknown people who went before those revivalists. What were they? Prayer people. And yeah, Daniel Nash was for, um, what's his name? Finney, thank you, Charles Finney. Daniel Nash, not very known, unless you studied into it, he went to every location before Charles Finney went. And all you know is about Charles Finney, who looked people in the eyes and they just got saved <laughs> without him saying a word. Daniel Nash prayed in every location before Charles Finney got there and before revival broke out. There is a spiritual reality, guys, where we shift that's the purpose of the church. We've missed it because we've been so naturally minded. We've been so stuck in this world and in the natural and the practical that we've missed out on this supernatural reality that is extremely exciting and extremely important. For there to be salvation, for there to be this outpouring, for souls to come into the family, we're breaking ground. There's supernatural reality happening all around us. And then there's the second dynamic, <coughs> starting in verse 18. And this is really what I felt like the Lord was hammering in for, for us as a community. If the world hates you, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would treat you with affection and would love you as its own. But because you are not of the, the world, no longer one with it, but I've chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they kept my word and obeyed my teaching, they will also keep and obey yours. But they will do all this to inflict, sorry, 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. Those are strong, that's strong language Jesus was using, right? (laughs) Right? Hatred, detest, reject you, persecute. He's preparing. He's preparing his disciples for something that was going to happen. And this is forever, guys. As, uh, and, and I'm going to drop down before I add this point, but si- chapter 16, 1 through 3, Jesus is continuing on. He said, I have told you all these things so that you would not be offended or taken unaware or faltered. He's preparing us so that we won't be offended in the day that the world hates us, that we won't falter, that we won't stumble when the world hates us, that are connected steadily to the vine. Remember, this is one whole teaching he's giving. Be connected to me. Stay in my love. Abide in my love. When the world hates you, I'm telling you this, they will. Those that hated me will hate you. Those that obeyed me will obey you as well, will keep your teachings. I'm telling you this so you won't be offended and keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues, but an hour is coming when whoever kills you will think and claim that he has offered service to God, and w- they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. Now, who does that sound like? Who in the New Testament was killing people thinking that Saul, <laughs> right? It's almost like Jesus is telling them, there's going to come a guy <laughs> who's going to be persecuting the church, and he's thinking he's doing it for me. Right, that's that's who Saul was. Saul was saying that Saul was actually believing he was doing God's work. He was a Pharisee. Who were the people who hated Jesus most? The Pharisees, the religious, the those caught in tradition, the legalists. Those were the ones who hated Jesus. Who loved Jesus? The prostitute. The tax collector. Those who were in the worst sin loved him. Wow. Wow. If they hated me, they'll hate you as well. If they loved me, they'll love you as well. So there's a, there's a couple scenarios in my mind that I'm thinking of. Because number one, you begin to walk in the freedom that God has given you. Sure, lots of religious people are going to hate you. (laughs) They're going to accuse you, and they're going to say bad things about you. It's fact. It happens. I was having a conversation the other day with someone who said this whole, I won't mention it, but this whole section of Christianity, people who love God, have totally cut off the charismatic church and said they are not saved because of what they believe. Right? Is that true? No, we, we each love Jesus. We have relationship with him. There will be enmity. There's hatred. I'm not saying that they don't know God, but you can see within the church where there is serious, serious division. Serious division. But also, 
So, so the world will love us, in a sense, the lost, because they'll experience the love of God through us. But there's this also this other scenario that came to mind. I'm, um, I have a very dear friend who was walking with the Lord for many years. I don't know how deep her relationship with was. Many years. Now she has completely come out as a lesbian for the past two years. She's in a relationship. She's going to get married to this person. Now we've had bunches of conversations. We love each other. We have hard conversations about this. One of the things is, um, you know, we our initial conversation was to say, like, you are not saved if you're walking in this lifestyle. God, like, if you're saying this lifestyle is okay and I'm okay, that is not okay. And she's like, you have to either say you believe in God and this is not okay and you don't care or that you don't believe in God anymore. Because otherwise there's this whole movement that believes that you can be gay and a Christian. Walk in the lifestyle and God, you are full, like there's entire church movements that have gay and lesbian pastors. I'm talking about very real. There might be a day where this becomes illegal. You look at our culture to even talk about this this specifically because of an agenda in the world that's from the enemy, right? But we've had these real conversations, and so she's, you know, she's still torn because she had a legitimate walk with the Lord. She's had experiences with God, so she can't say God is not real. She says it, and then she doesn't say it. She says it, she doesn't say it. But what comes out of that is serious persecution to the church <laughs> as a lost person. Because what she says to me and many others is that the church is legalistic and they don't know God. And if they were loving, they would accept. And if they were good, they would accept. And the church is so bad and so awful that all that she talks about is how awful the church is. Serious hatred for the church. Serious hatred for Christianity, serious hatred for the Bible and trying to change everything that this says to fit her lifestyle so that she can be okay. These are the types of things that either we're going to say in that day, no, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't like being not liked. I don't like disagreeing with. So I'm going to say, well, I'm just not going to talk about it. Like, I'm just not going to have the hard conversation. I'm just not going to go there. Did Jesus do that? No. His love, he, he, he spoke the truth always. Now, this does not look like you saying, you're going to hell and blah, 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 right? I'm having conversations with her, and she's totally okay with having conversations with me. But I do not bend truth in any way, shape, or form. If she rejects me, if she ends up hating me because of that, I don't think she will because there's relationship there. There's love. There's mercy. There's gentleness. But do you see what I'm saying? There's hatred that can come from many different places. And Jesus is saying, be ready so that you're not offended when the world hates you. When the world hates you. We're seeing it more and more in our nation that there is a hatred hatred against the church, a hatred against Christianity, a hatred for what we stand against. Someone sent me a video 
the other day, we, Tommy and I watched it, where a guy said, you Christians, you're trying to make everyone in America bend to your morals and blah, blah. I'm not a Christian, and I don't want your God, and I don't think he's alive. I mean, it was like grieved my heart, like sick. And all these people were commenting on it. Yeah, we don't want God. We don't want Christianity. And I'm like, this is the reality, guys, we're living in. There is a day people will hate, hate truth because they hated Jesus first. But as we're connected to the vine, we bear fruit, we stand, we speak truth in love, and we display a beautiful kingdom. And there will be those that love and come into that, and then there will be those that even the 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 brightness of the light will cause them to shrink away and hate. It's a reality. Jesus was telling them to be prepared. And I want to encourage us as a, a body today, number one, to remember that we're tapped into this source that impossible things become possible. So our place of warfare is in worship and intercession for these communities that hate God. <laughs> right? We don't just say, well, God, have mercy on you. See you later. No, we start to intercede on their behalf that a spiritual reality would shift over them because the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving. Why do you think they hate Christianity? It's not just by themselves. It's because of this supernatural reality we've been talking about. There is a devil. There is an enemy of our souls. There is someone in the world causing people to be blinded because of their unbelief. But as the church of the living God, brilliantly shining in any location that we are, we get to declare something into the supernatural realm and shift it. But do not be offended in the day that they still hate you. Do not be offended in that day. Don't let it cause you to stumble. Stand in truth. God is love. We abide in his love by abiding in his commandments. We abide in truth. We abide in the vine. We must be vitally connected to him so that we shine in this age and we don't shrink back. We don't shrink back. And this is not to say, because this happens a lot, I feel like I have to say this, this is not to say go on social media and start debating every person to shine light. That is not what I'm saying, right? I think we all know that here. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying be a light in the world. Love people. Serve people. Display the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We're displaying that fruit to the world. We're displaying that fruit and we're we're commanding realities to happen at the same time, and then we're watching God do what only he can do. And this is what we are as believers. This is what we're called into as the church. God does not desire that any would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge. That all would come to a saving knowledge. So we have, a, we have some work to do, and this is a glorious work because it's not in our strength. We're tapped into a supernatural well source. 
will receive all of our strength to do this work so that no one will complain to us. So that our neighbors, our families will come to know him and be welcomed into this family, to this freedom and join in that declaration in the earth. So I just want to I don't know if actually any of our leaders have anything they want to add to this before we close today. Good. All right. So we're just going to pray. This wasn't meant to be like a super heavy message. I know it's sobering, but okay, good. But it's more just saying like in this, we've got to be aware of the times that we're living in. And step into it. It is a joyful thing that we get to do. But there is the reality. I won't skirt away from saying there is the reality. People will hate you because of it. You have to be ready for that. I'm ready. I'm believing that my brother will get saved. He's married to a man and he has an adopted daughter. I'm believing. I've believed for 15 years that he will come out of that. He will get saved. But if in one day that he hates me, he turns and hates me in that day, I got to be ready for that. Because I'm not more connected to my brother as much as I love him and he's my family than I am to Jesus. I have, Jesus is my highest one. If all my family were to reject me for Jesus, Jesus still has me. That's extremely hard. (laughs) Right? That's extremely hard. But there is reality to that. We might be hated by our family members. As much as we love, as much as we care, as much as we serve. But we're vitally connected to him and still saying, but even if he hates me, God, get him. I will pray until my last breath, declaring truth over my brother that he will come out gloriously into a new life in Christ. Right? We're standing for those things for our families, for the town, for the region, for the state. Amen? Yeah, so Father, why don't we just stand real quick. Father, we just thank you that you are our source, that you've given us all that we need to live this life, God, to to walk in union with you. Lord, we receive from you. Even right now, I pray fresh strength. If you need fresh strength from the Lord, just lift your hands to him and as receiving. God, I just thank you for the fresh strength of God, of the Spirit that we would be strengthened in our inner man in a place of supernatural, supernatural grace and strength to display your kingdom in the age and the world that we're living in, the state that you've placed us in, the region that you've placed us, that supernatural strength would, would be infused in us, God. And that we would begin to see the way that you're seeing. We'd begin to see spiritual reality shift, God. That you would give us eyes to see what you're doing in the supernatural realm. That we might be encouraged and infused with hope. Because you're a God who hears your people. You're a God who moves on behalf of your people. We thank you for it, God. Give us eyes to see. anyone wants to pray into this, feel free. Just come up. We're going to pray for just a few minutes. I thank you for it, God. Thank you, God.